Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, Justin Baker, co-host. We're back. Uh, summertime brings about... What? Summertime brings about a lack of urgent things to talk about in hockey. So we take the summer to relax a little bit, as do you. And uh, we decided that we wanted to bring you a little series uh, moving forward. A little fun just kind of mulling through each NHL team and ranking their top 10 players. Now, some of those teams have some epic players on them. Some of them have hardly any players worthy of a top 10 on most teams. Columbus Blue Jackets, (laughs) Minnesota Wild. Uh, Columbus, good point. Yeah, but uh, we, we will dive into all that. Before we get into that, hello, Justin. Hi. Sorry, I just... No, you're good. I, I just went... Uh, we just want we have four things we want to talk about, and we're gonna hit each one of them. We're gonna spend less than a minute on them. They are the most recent news, and we feel as though we we want to give our opinion on on what's going on. And so, uh, I'm gonna throw the wild firing Paul Fenton after just one season. Your thoughts? Yeah, my my 60 second thoughts. Basically, I I think you you listen to the press conference and basically. Craig Leopold stating that it's a bunch of little things and he just wasn't a good fit in the organization. In my mind, I think it was kind of like one of those situations where he wasn't doing enough to push the team forward when you see the rest of Central Division getting better around him. And maybe the straw that broke the camel's back was when you see him trying to offload Parisi somewhere over the last few weeks and you hear, you know, Zach Parisi come out and say, um, you know, he's not looking forward to being part of a rebuild. Maybe this was a mistake being in Minnesota, yada, yada, yada. I'm just paraphrasing. but So maybe Leopold looked at it and said, hey, you know what? The morale's pretty low. We got we to gotta change it up pretty quick. You know, I mean, good on them for doing it. Uh, even though it is an odd time of the year to do it, good on them for realizing it now versus halfway through the year or anything like that. Yeah, and I think that the owner, Craig Leopold, his quote, you know, he says, hey, he's not the right fit. Uh, when you read the quote, I believe we have a good hockey team, a team that will compete for a playoff spot this year. I think I read that and I go, I believe we have a good hockey team. Now, he didn't believe we had a good hockey team. He, like Paul, Paul Fenton, Fenton, wanted yeah. to blow everything up and felt like we didn't. I think we have a good hockey team. I think we'll compete for a playoff spot. And I want to bring a manager who will help us win a Stanley Cup, i.e. with our group, with, with Parise with Suter, not trying to offload those guys and start over. He doesn't want, it's clear he doesn't want to start over, but I mean, ultimately he's the one who's a total fail because you brought in a guy who it was pretty clear what he was trying to do right off the bat and you bought into it for a minute. So this is just as much your fault as anyone else. You didn't have to hire a guy to, to come in and start blowing things up. I mean, you're the freaking owner. You could have said, no, nah, I don't want to blow anything up. Don't trade Charlie Coyle. Don't trade Nino Niederreiter. I, yeah. He obviously, you know, two GMs in less than a year and a half. You know, Fletcher's gone, Paul Fenton's gone, and it, and Fletcher was the GM in Minnesota. Yeah, it's Something about you, those Minnesota guys. I don't know what it is, and it it's weird too because now it's it's reminiscent of Philadelphia, where there's you know just maybe a little dysfunction going on between management and ownership, and so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, maybe they'll. Uh, I don't know. I'm assigned Jake Gardner. I heard that they're already uh, asking permission to talk to Ron Hextall, though, speaking of Philly. So interesting. Uh, that would be very interesting, seeing as he's a guy who didn't want to make any moves. So, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, wait. Ron Hextall isn't. Oh, no. Who's. 
Isn't he the he's the new GM of Seattle? No, that's Ron Francis. Oh yeah, Ron Francis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Close though. Summertime. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's go. Ottawa Senators acquire Callahan, Ryan Callahan, and a fifth round pick from Tampa for a goaltender Mike Condon and a twenty twenty sixth round pick. Uh, really, the the Senators get a little bit of relief in terms of actual dollars, even though the cap hit is heavier. Uh, they won't, will only spend what, what you were saying, a million dollars. Yeah. Insurance picks up 80% of the LTIR contract. So, you know, real dollars since the senators only got to pony up a million versus even though Condon's, I think 2.4 million on cap hit, but he's owed $3 million. So Tampa kind of picks up that tab to throw him in the minors and, uh, you know, Ottawa gets a little real money savings, but meets the cap floor. Yeah. And I'm, you know, Tampa Bay can do whatever they want with Condon. Yeah. He, they're going to bury him is what they're going to do. They might bury him. They could also maybe deal him off and, and eat a little bit of the salary or they can. Uh, yeah, Conan's still a very capable backup, I think, in this league. He just had a really bad year last year. He did. Well, it's Ottawa. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights acquire Nikita Gusev from the New Jersey Devils for a third round pick and a second round pick in 2021. Hey, good on Vegas for getting something for a guy that wanted out and um, never played a game for them, anyways. Right, exactly. Never has in my in my in my mind they just got a free second and third round pick right. for a guy who has never played a game in the NHL. Yeah. Now, while there's a lot of hype around him, uh, the most irritating part of this whole thing for me as a Red Wings fan is that the New Jersey Devils Twitter account is posting all these gooses running around on their page and like the goose is loose, and I'm like. Dude, Detroit fans have been saying that about Gustav Nyquist forever. Yeah, so yeah. just bury that one and go away. But and the Coyotes are bought again. This time by billionaire uh, Alex Mariulo. He uh, he's got a bunch of casinos and TV stations. And there you go. They have a new owner. Yeah. Hopefully, a uh, little consistency now. Yeah, somebody with actual money. Right. <laughs> and yeah, maybe he I I got to think now for their their general manager you're thinking uh if this if this continues to be just a middling type of team that they might flush house and sure say goodbye. So bringing in Phil Kessel was a nice a nice tip of the cap. Sure. Can't can't be mad about that. Uh it's, this it really it comes down to Arizona's drafting, anyways. In my mind, you know they they've had these players that people go, oh yeah, they're going to be so good, and they just haven't panned out in Arizona. Like Dylan Strom, hey yo. So okay, uh, those are what's the things going on in the NHL. See, we told you we didn't we didn't need to have a show for two weeks because that was it. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about Mitch Marner Marner again, but nobody wants to hear that. No. So instead, we are going to go through the top ten Detroit Red Wings of all time and the top 10 Nashville Predators of all time. A new team and an old team. As best we can, we're going to go a team post-1990 expansion and and before. That might have a little bit of a, you know. Yeah, there were 20 teams, so. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that works out. It'll 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 come come close enough, but we'll try to try to mix it in with a new new and the old. Um uh, with that being said, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh let's talk about Guys that missed your list, or or before we do that, ooh, okay. Before we do that, I think we should lay a few ground rules, as as we did. But we we already laid these ground rules. But just so you're aware, uh, 
of course, Ron Francis played for the Toronto Maple Leafs for about three months after getting traded at the deadline. Uh, maybe you'd consider him, you know, if if we were just saying who's the top 10 players who's ever played for a team, he might make the, you know, somewhere in that list for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But we are saying they have to have played at least one season for that team. And that have had better been a pretty darn good season. Um, not that if it was one season at age 40, they're probably not going to make that lit. Like even if they were an amazing player prior, like Wayne Gretzky, an amazing, of course, one of, like one of the best of all time, probably the best of all time. He's not going to be on your list of best New York Rangers of all time. Just probably not going to make that list. True. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're going to toss him. He did play there for three years, but uh, I, you know, Mark Messier, probably not going to make the list of best Vancouver Canucks ever. So, uh, let's dive right in. Who missed your list? Well, for the Detroit Red Wings, um, I have a couple goaltenders and a couple players that missed okay. my list. Okay. The both goaltenders, you can probably guess, Dominic Hasek and yeah. Chris Osgood. Oh, okay. Yeah, Hasek, obviously, he, he was not his Buffalo Saver-esque type guy in Detroit, but he, he was still... Cup. Yeah, he won a Yeah, he won a couple cups. He was very successful there. Osgood, we know the story, 400-plus wins. He had a lot of success in Detroit. Um, however, did you say Hasek won two cups? He did. Wasn't Oscar the starter? He was. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he didn't get a ring. True. So he start. Well, actually, Hasek started the playoffs and then got booted after two games in 08. So, um, and then the other two players for me, uh, Henrik Zetterberg and Brendan Shanahan, just missed my list. Okay. So, all right. Yeah, Brendan Shanahan also missed my list as well. If you you know you do a Google search and you just all time best Red Wings and you kind of flip it like. Memories being jogged of certain players. Of course, you know, Tim Shevelday missed, missed my list. <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> Bob Probert. Stop. I wanted to put Bob Probert as my 10. Uh, just because, or he, like, you could almost go, all right, I'm putting, uh, I'm putting Bob Probert and Darren McCarty as my 10. And just because of the impact that they, they had. Of course, they are, we're not talking about the best grinders of all time or the best enforcers. Uh, yeah, guys that missed my list. Uh, I, I would point most significantly to Alex Del Vecchio. Going like pretty old school. He was a part of the Ted Lindsay, Gordy Howe, the Alex production Del Vecchio, line. the yeah. production line. And I just felt like he was probably your Brendan Morrison to Todd Bertuzzi, Marcus Naslin. He's, wow. You know, he's, he's the third guy. It's just at the time there was six teams and there's only so many guys to go around. So, uh, not that Alex Del Vecchio wasn't a fantastic player. He's he's up there in all-time scores for the Red Wings, but he he's probably the most significant player that missed my list that I think that a lot of people would maybe have on there. So, okay. Interesting. With that said, let's uh let's dive in. Your number 10. Wow, a guy you just talked about, Alex Del Vecchio. Um yeah, I you know what? Uh, you got a guy who um you know, played a lot of games for the Red Wings. Um and he's up there in terms of, you know, point totals. And, you know, maybe he is the Brendan Morrison in terms he, he of... Is, he is third all-time yeah, in third points. third all-time. 1,281. Yes. Uh, he's also third all-time in games played with 1,550. Only Howe and Lidstrom played more. He actually played more than Iserman. Yes, he did. Well, let's not forget Iserman. Had a lot of injury-riddled seasons. But, um, yeah, so for me, Alex Del Vecchio, I... 
I loved what he was able to do. Brought brought a few cups to the the Red Wings, and he he was very productive. And I think that at least garnered a top ten when you managed to hit top three all time points for an original six team like that. Okay, my number ten is I, I went back and forth between this. Okay, so Marcel Dion played for the Red Wings short lived for yes. four years, and. Uh, he obviously went on to make his real name for himself with the LA Kings, uh, but was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings, started his career there. Had a, he had 366 points in 309 nine games. Uh, he averaged a point per game in every season except his rookie year. He was one point off that pace, but had a 121 point season in 74 75. Uh, but I think because of how bad they were, Red Wings just weren't, they weren't great at that point in time. And because that's not really the team, like I'm going to put him on the LA Kings list for sure. And I don't want to have Marcel Dion on two lists. And so I'm going to leave him off my list. And my number 10 is Chris Chelios. Ooh, I like it. Chris Chelios comes over as, like the hated guy, like people hated Chris. Oh, because he was when from he Chicago. Got, that when, rivalry. Yes, when yeah. When he got traded to Detroit, it was. I mean, people were like, "How?" Like it was like a Todd Bertuzzi how situation. How are we ever going to like this guy? Yeah. We hate this guy. And he came in and just people fell in love with him. Fell in love with his play. Not only was he almost flawless def- defensively, he threw huge hits. He was just a fantastic defenseman, and so and and he played until he was. 45. <laughs> well, I think forever. he was at 47 playing on the Thrashers minor league team yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played, <laughs> he played in the minors. But uh, did – he was on the team for 98, not 97. True. So, yeah, nine, so he won three Stanley Cups with the Wings. Uh, and so he's, he's my number 10. I, I, I think probably the third best defenseman – second or third best defenseman to play for the Red Wings. So. Okay. I, I respect it. I uh, I thought about it, and I really wanted to put Chris Chelios on it, but I just I had a hard time pick. It's it's harder to put a defenseman on a top 10 list um, than it is for a forward. It's a lot easier to just look at point totals and accolades yeah, and yeah, say, okay, yeah, here, course. cool. Of Let's course. throw this guy on. So, um, But moving on, number nine for me, uh, another guy part of that famous production line era. Um, Sid Abel. Okay, yeah, Sid Abel. 17th all-time in scoring. Uh, played 570 games for the Red Wings. So, yeah, uh, can't can't complain about... I'm sorry, what, Sid, I did say production line. He was not on the production line. He wasn't on the production line, so. sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I was like, maybe there was four guys on that. No. <laughs> maybe he was on the power play with them or something. Yeah, uh, did receive a Hart Trophy, a um, couple champ or three championships, I'm sorry, Um but yeah, while his, I guess you could say production isn't as large as other guys like, you know, your Henrik Zetterbergs and, uh, you know, guys like that. Just but he played in an era where there was less scoring. Too, sure. So, yeah. And he, I mean, what he, what he was able to do in his era, I mean, was, was pretty dang good. And I mean, there's a reason why he, he made the top 100 NHL players of all time list. So, you know, there you go. Yep. Can't complain about that. Um, my number nine is Henrik Zetterberg. Nice. Uh, fifth all-time in scoring for the Wings. 
uh, played o- almost 1,100 games and just shy. I think if he if his back hadn't given out, he would have hit a thousand points with the Red Wings and would have been uh, only the fifth guy to do that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's no reason. I mean, you said that Henrik Zetterberg missed your list. Uh, I feel like he's on that list because he was he really became the face of that team the last 10 years. And when we're talking about decades worth of Red Wings hockey, where, you know, we're, I guess, I don't know much about what happened with the Red Wings in the forties, like the thirties and forties. So, right. I, you know, you come into the fifties, so you're talking 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and then a couple years in the, in the two thousands, he's their, probably their best player for, you know, what, 15% of their team's existence. And so, I think that he not only was a fantastic goal scorer and setup man, he was a great two-way player as well. And so uh, it's hard necessarily to quantify his point totals. He also played the majority of his career during a time where there wasn't a lot of goals happening. Very so true. The fact that he's almost a point per game, or about 0. 0.7, uh, 0.887 points per game is pretty solid. All right. Love it. Can't complain about it. So, I'm going to throw up my number eight. Dude, do it. Also, another guy that missed your list, Mr. Christopher Osgood. Ooh. And uh, I'm, I'm actually very surprised that he didn't make your team, make, make your all time. Yeah, team. I wanted to put more goalies on this, but. Uh, I, I mean, for the, to, as the goalie guy, yeah. You know, I, I'm surprised that he. Uh, that I he even didn't thought about Jimmy Howard for a minute, but. Because he's number three in terms of you know victories among Red Wing goaltenders, but it's just true. Yeah, can't couldn't do it. Sorry. Yeah, I think I I think I know the other goal the the one goalie that will make your well. List. I'm sure everybody does. So. <laughs> okay, uh, your number eight, eight. Uh, Red Kelly. Okay. Yeah, I, I we've talked about it before in terms of you know and our top centers, top defensemen shows and stuff like that. And uh, for me, this guy just. I, I loved his two-way game. I love the fact that he was able to move from defense to center just because they're like, hey, we got this other team over here that's dominating at center and offensively, and we know you know how to play defense very well, so go do it. And he was a very successful centerman. And so, granted, I mean, he did spend you know a lot of his career with Toronto. Uh, the accolades, you know, he was able to still bring four Stanley Cups to Detroit and eight regular season championships. The guy was just phenomenal at both ends of the ice for me. Yeah, I have read Kelly a little later on in my list. Good, so. good. Um, but I'll, I, I was gonna try to hide this and cover it up. Okay. But <laughs> I forgot about Terry Sawchuk. <laughs> How? You know, the reason is because I was just, I, I did exactly what you were talking about. I, I was thinking of forwards and yeah, and in defensemen, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some defensemen on this list. But my guy, Chris Chelios can't be on this list if Terry Sawchuk isn't. Well, now you got so yeah. everybody shuffles down, down, and I'm gonna have to throw Terry Sawchuk in at about a little later. So, <laughs> so, uh, so just assume now, you know, Chris Chelios is at eleven. All right, just missed <laughs> because you got Marcel Dion. You know, that's just how it's gonna have to go. Uh, but my you, okay, so you did your number eight. Yeah. So who's now your official number eight? So now my number eight is Sergei Fedorov. Okay. Yes. So Sergei Fedorov, he is the only player to win the Selkie and the Hart Trophy in the same year. Yes. Uh, an incredible two-way player. It's actually, it's actually unbelievable the amount of 
just Hall of Fame two-way players that the Red Wings have had over the last 30 years. You think Sergei Fedorov, Henrik Zetterberg, and there's two other guys that are coming later on in my list that are unbelievable two-way players, some of the best. Uh, it's pretty crazy and that they just kept churning them out for a while. Um, I'm wondering where they are now, but, uh, you know. Now Ken Nolan's gone. Who, who's going to draft him? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, wait, what? Uh, okay, so, yeah, Sergei Fedorov. Also, uh, all-time list of, uh, of goal scorers. He is quite high on that list. He's sixth, surpassed by Henrik Zetterberg towards the end of uh, Zetterberg's career. But he played basically 180 fewer games had six less points in Zetterberg. So one of the few players to average more than a point per game, fourth all-time points per game. Actually, the, the highest points per game for a Red Wing is Marcel, Marcel Dion. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I wasn't wrong to at least think about him. No, you were not. Only played 309 games, though. Yeah, but none of us talked about the guy who's number five on the points per game. Billy list. Taylor. No, 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 I'm sorry. Actually, uh, really? One you got Billy Taylor? One season. Oh well, hockey reference list Paul Coffey, so that's who uh, I'm thinking Paul, of too. Yeah. They they must they must cut off at a certain amount of career games played. That's Maybe a hundred or something like that. Yeah, I can still so in terms of Paul Coffey. <laughs> I know I don't either. Uh in terms of Paul Coffey though, man, I still remember him batting that own goal in. Yep. And so for me that still haunts my memories and so I just uh, he goes down a notch because of that. Anyways, Let's move on before I start going on a Paul Coffey rant. number seven? My number seven, Ted Lindsay. Okay, he's my number six. So awesome. We'll, okay. We'll yeah. Go. Great guy on the production line. I mean, we we know what they were able to do, the three of those guys, Del Vecchio, Lindsay, and, and how, uh, you know, boy, Ted Lindsay, he ranks number nine all times in points for a Red Wing player. And, and we're talking definitely an era where, like, the 50s goal scoring was way down. Way Some down. of the lowest that's ever been in the league's history. And so uh, goaltenders were phenomenal from this era. And, or were the players that bad? And, uh, well, sticks. Well, goalies kept getting better, right? And sticks kept saying straight. Right. <laughs> and so then as the, basically as the, the technology changed for the players, then they started to blow up some, some goalies. And then the goaltender's equipment got better again. And in the goaltending position, it swung back in towards the goaltending position in defense. And now we're starting to see a swing the other way where we're trying desperately to foil goaltenders. Uh, yeah, so, won, yeah, won an Art Ross trophy with 78 points, if that doesn't I, tell you, you yeah. know, the production was down. Not to mention the fact that even his, his off-ice contributions to the game are beyond what he ever did on the ice, too. I mean, the guy's got only the only Red Wings player with a trophy named after him. True. That, I mean, he did found the NHLPA, basically. So, so. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, fair. Uh, it used to be called, what did it used to be called? That trophy was the uh, crap. Oh, yeah, that's going to drive me nuts. It used to be called now. something else. So, yeah, Ted, Ted Lindsay, on top of that, on, on top of that, 1,423 penalty minutes. Not too shabby. So. A solid plus 10 over his Yeah, career. those were rough years for players mm -hmm. with lack of equipment and guys throwing elbows like no one's business. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we got to go to my number six then, huh? Yeah. Well, um, probably one of my favorite recent Red Wings, um, a guy who I wish played a little bit, a couple more years with the Wings, and maybe um, coincidentally enough, it's it's funny, I wish he had came a little bit earlier in his career to Detroit, but uh, Pavel Dadzuk known as the magician to those who uh, and it's funny Siri for a while you could literally ask um, hey Siri 
who's the magician? And it would respond, Pavel Dadzuk, wow. which was fantastic. Loved it. Uh, but this guy, this guy to me was the best thief the NHL has seen in a long time. Uh, I, yeah, his takeaways my were... My goodness. He led the league in takeaways almost every year. If not, he was guaranteed top three um, that he was in the league. I mean, I remember when he came into the NHL 2002, he played on the third line with uh, Brett Hall. If that doesn't, you yep. know, I mean, he centered Brett yeah. Hall and, and Brett. That's oh I mean, gosh. Brett Hall was like, dude, who the heck is it? like this kid's unbelievable. Yeah, like, coming from Brett Hall, it's pretty good. Uh, pretty good compliment. Yeah, he also he won a lot of things. You know, he he uh, he did win the gold in world championships and he won the gold even at age thirty nine. You know, in these last Olympics, I know it was without most of the NHL players, but they Russia you know wins their gold and. Uh, you yeah. look at particular seasons that he had in like 08, 09, and 07, 08 when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. He's putting up basically 100-point seasons, 97 and 97, two 87-point seasons before that where you know goal, goal scoring was not super high at these times. And and he also, he just always seemed to have weird injury problems. But Right. That's, yeah, more the tail end of his career. And I remember one of those 97-point seasons. I think he lost out on the Art Ross by like one point, and I was so pissed about it because I wanted him. To, I wanted – Red Wing hadn't won it in a while, so I was just, you know, a yeah, little upset about When's the last that, time a Detroit Red Wings player won the Art Ross? Probably – Ted Lindsay with the geez, I don't even know. That's a good question. But, yeah, I mean, four, four Lady Bings, three Selkies. The guy uh, was all-world at both ends of the ice. And, um, yeah. There's there's a reason Red Wing fans still miss him. Yes, uh, he, that, he was your number six. He was my number six. Yeah, he's my number six too. And Ted right. Lindsay was my number seven. I just shuffling them down. Shuffled. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number my number five. five is Red Kelly. So we've already Ooh. we've already jumped all over Red Kelly. He's he's phenomenal and uh, you know, yeah. Obviously he's he's not quite as high on the on the scoring list. Uh, where are you, Red Kelly? Yeah, he's a little further down. Yeah, a little further down because he only finished with like I think four or five hundred points somewhere in that range. So yeah, I don't know why I'm having oh 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 it's because his she's his, his first name is actually Leonard. Leonard, yeah, yeah. So he's fourteenth all, yeah. all time. Uh, played forward but again. Played in a, a time where goal scoring was down, uh, but yeah, just and again another amazing two way player. Never got the chance to watch him play, but uh, just the stories and the fact that. You know, a if a guy's his jersey was just retired, and so many guys were like, "This is it's about freaking time." This guy's. Right. I was actually at that game where they retired his, his jersey. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, and I mean, even the highlights of him in the fifties. You know, sometimes those highlights when you're watching them in black and white, and yeah, like, <laughs> this looks terrible, and you can tell that it's the frames per second is oh very, yeah, like very fourteen. <laughs> and even then, you could tell that this guy was in a different league uh, when you're watching him. So, uh, so he was my number five. Who's your number five? My number five is someone you've already talked about. Sergey Fedorov. Okay. Yeah. Love this guy. Like I said, up. uh, yeah, a little higher up just because I, I love the fact that he was able to, I mean, he literally played defense at one point for, yes. for Scotty Bowman. So, um, yeah, he, he goes a little underrated during his time. I think just because he played behind Steve Eiserman and, well, and he had, he Shanahan also had and, a lot of, internal issues in terms of his contracts and sure it was it was also you know i he got an offer sheet at one point and yes from the carolina <laughs> so, hurricanes and yeah. he ended up making 10 million dollars a year he was one of the first guys to make 10 million dollars he might have been the first guy to make 10 million yeah in the that wouldn't surprise me yeah 
you know, there was also towards the end of like, well, it didn't really matter. Once, once he left the Red Wings, he kind of, his career kind of curtailed, but you know, it's just, I think all those, all those things where there was just this struggle of, he wanted more. I think he, he obviously appreciated Iserman, but I think that there was some kind of like, I want to be the guy. Sure. And he wasn't, uh, also, when you look at his playoff numbers, I'm trying to find. Uh, here we go. His playoff numbers are actually quite impressive as well. But <laughs> 176 points in 183 games. Uh, but it was the goal scoring just disappeared. I mean, in 95, 96, the year the Red Wings won 62 games. Right. Uh, he had two goals in 19 games in the playoffs. And uh, in 98, 99, a year where the Red Wings were expected to win the cup. One goal in Three 10 peak. games. In 0102, when they did win the cup, five goals in 23 games seems seems a little bit low. It seemed like in the playoffs, I know at times his goal scoring dried up. So if sure. there's a knock on him, it, it maybe was that. I remember somebody saying, uh, Sergei Samarov. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that, but I love it now. <laughs> so, all right. Um, you're number four. Yeah, I'm sure you and I have the... Ex- well. Maybe not the same order, but we have the same people on number four. Uh, My number four is Terry Sawchuck, one of the winningest goalies ever in NHL history, let alone for the Red Wings. So, um, and I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he he won so many games when, whereas like Martin Brodeur played a lot more games than he did, right? Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. There's not much that needs to be said about Terry Sawchuck that already hasn't been said. He's he's legendary. For sure. Yes. And if you've seen his face, you would understand why I respect him so much. I think when we did our top 10 goalies of all time, which you could go back, you could dig that up in the archives. You find yeah. The top 10 goalies. Uh, I believe that he was he was in the top three or four. Oh, yeah. He was top three, I think, for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. So He wasn't my number one because I already so know that's interesting Oscar, that he is the fourth best player in, on the Red Wings. Yet he was in our top five for goaltenders. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you actually look at our top four, um, or when you guys listen to our top four. Many of these guys could go to like twenty seven other teams and be the number one person ever play on that team. But That's because true. you're an original six team, you've been around for so long, you get the luxury of probably running into a few and, of these. And the Red Wings have it. I would say in terms of recent memory, in the last thirty years, there's really it's hard to find a team that has been better than the Red Wings. Right. Um, okay, so you're number three. Okay, I want to see the order that these went in. Okay, mm-hmm. I had Terry Sotrick at four yep. as well. Um, my number three is Nicholas Lidstrom. So is mine. That's where I dropped the defenseman. I thought about, I'll be honest, I thought about putting him at number one. Really? But now I, I think in terms of if we were to take all three of those guys, put them at their prime at the same exact time in the same era, Given all the same advantages, I actually think Nicholas Lidstrom's probably the best player out of all three of them at his position. Uh, like, just absolutely dominant. I mean, there was, think about how many Norris trophies he, would he win seven, seven. Norris trophies in yeah. a row? In a, did he win them all in a not row? Not a row. Just no. seven total. Yeah, he won seven total, not in a so row. So he was the best player at his position seven for seven years. And he probably could have, could have and should have won more. Probably. I still am a little upset about that Chris Pronger win, but 
we won't talk about that. Yeah, but I mean, Chris Pronger. At least it was it was Chris Pronger. Still, right. Sure. Also one of the best defensemen of all time. So when I think about Nick Lidstrom, it's it's almost like it's the Terry Sachek thing. Like, yeah, he's it's because he's a defenseman that I naturally don't put him higher on the list. But I really think, in terms of impact on the ice, I don't think there is a better player who's ever played for the Red Wings. But terms of just sheer like there there also has to be some personality in here like and and some memories made nicholas lidstrom the things that are memorable about him is you're like what did what really cool thing consistency like steve eiserman obviously we know steve eiserman and gordy howard the last two names on this list we'll see which order we put them in but steve you say steve eiserman and i immediately think of him getting the puck at center ice and, and stealing the puck from Wayne Gretzky right. and walking in and wiring a shot over John Casey on the St. Louis yeah. Blues and winning that series. Like, there's so many epic moments. Or when moments. he was tripped, fell down on his back, like literally passes it behind his back like he's hooking it around his shoulder on the while laying down, yes. not looking to Larianoff who scores. I yeah. mean, like, there's there's those plays, right? And when he when he lifted the Stanley Cup in 97, like as much as it pained me, uh, <laughs> that's like that's just one of those moments. When Lidstrom, I can't, truly, I don't remember Lidstrom lifting the cup. It's not in my wow. mind. Okay. I don't I don't remember. He is the first European-born yes, captain was, to do I'm it. not sure. taking anything away from no, him. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying that there was something something different about Iserman, something different about how, where they were. Yes, they play forwards. Lidstrom was quietly the best player. Yes. Whenever he played. I think there were times where Lidstrom was the best player in the entire NHL. Absolutely. Whereas I would not I disagree with that. I don't know. If Eiserman was ever the best player in the NHL, mm, I might disagree with you on that one. But I, I, I really, I don't think maybe '97 ish. But I think by that point he was he wasn't putting up the same kind of point totals either. No, no, not like at all. Yager was better than Eiserman. You would have taken Yager probably over Eiserman. Well, well, I don't think so. Stanley Cup, <laughs> dang, that's a hard one. That's we have to we have to play that game sometime. Okay, you're yeah. number two. Number two, Gordy Howe. Oh, yeah, I did not put wow. Gordy Howe number one. And this might have more to do with the fact that I grew up watching Steve Eiserman. That's fair. Um, but to me, the two-way game that I saw Eiserman, when Scotty Bowman came in and said, hey, you know, Eiserman was putting up 140-point seasons, like, not a big deal. Like, I can go out there and score a crap load of goals. Let's you be know. honest. Everyone was putting up 140. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, between Mario, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky, those guys were all putting up 100-point seasons. Like, like, it was no big deal. But when... Scotty Bowman came in and said, hey, you know, I know you just you literally just put up 137 points, um, but I want you to start playing two way game or else you're never going to win a cup. And what did he do? He transformed his whole entire game to become one of the best premier two way guys in the league and still managed to put up 95, 85 point seasons while being so good defensively. He was able to help his team win some cups. And so that's why to me, he was just number one. I think Gordy Howe played in an era where he didn't have to really you didn't see him transform his game. He just did him. And uh, interesting fact, though, about Gordy. I mean, like, you know, during that time, he was so much, he was that much stronger than other guys. He really didn't have to transform his game. I mean, he was bigger, he was stronger, and still quick on his feet, you know, because let's face it, during the summer, most guys weren't training and working out. Most guys had to get other jobs. And, you know, Gordy's other job was uh, he was lifting shingles and concrete. And so he was working out all the time, anyways. So. But anyways, I think that's that was my biggest reason why I think I, I put Eiserman over Gordy Howe. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm actually right now. I'm just scrolling through when Eiserman was putting up his big point totals, and uh, yeah, he he never, he was never above third third highest in the league. I mean, it was Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Steve Eiserman. Sure. So, I mean, it, there's no knock on Eiserman to say he wasn't the best player. No, ever. but I mean, you because have, because there, it was the two guys ahead of him, even just in terms of points. No, yeah, absolutely. In terms of points, but like for instance, in '89 when he put up 155 points, his highest total of any season, right? That was with a team that was referred to as the Dead Wings for a reason. And right. I, you know, I, you know, Gretzky, no knock on him. We all know he can produce, but you know, he did have Yari Curry, Mark Messier, and other guys around him. And I think I can't remember where he was in '89, right off the top. I think. I think he was still with Edmonton. That's when they got beat Mark by... Mark Messier? No, 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 with, with Wayne. Yeah, that's right, because they got beat by Calgary and yeah. a big upset. Anyways, but he had other players around him where really Iserman didn't at the time. So, um, you know, you could you might be able to make the argument that, oh, Iserman was, was better that year maybe. I don't know. But. See, and I, I, this, this is why I can't put Iserman above Hal, because on an all-time greatest list, you're telling me you're going to put Iserman above Gordie Howe? Yeah. All-time greats? Yeah, all time great. I might. Steve I might. Bet it, it's, I just don't think so. I might. I don't like. And again, it, it might have something more to do with the fact that I grew up watching Iceman. Right. Watched him play. You, so. you have some. Yes, you watched him lift the cup. He's he's on your. T- I understand that. But yeah. Gordy Howe was in a complete league of his own. I mean, there's only a couple guys with more points than him all time. He also played forever, and that's a knock, I guess, on Iserman is that he couldn't stay healthy. He his knees just just didn't work out for him but how stayed listen healthy. how only put up 55 more point like 55 50 ish more points and he played almost 200 more games than Iserman. so think about it that way too so but but again you're, to your point the era where he played at right there weren't right sure so yeah, yeah uh, i don't know agree to disagree i just don't know if you can take steve Iserman. like no no list ever has steve Iserman higher than gordy Howe. i've never seen a list where he's anywhere close to him, to be honest, because I think that Steve Eiserman, well, he put up a bunch of points at, in in particular seasons, was a really great player. Well, let me ask you this though: if you Howe had, was absolutely the best player in the NHL, well, he absolutely was. I won't disagree with you and there. Eiserman never was. But and let that, me ask you this: if difference. you're going into a Stanley Cup final and you had one guy to choose, when are we playing though? In their prime, nineteen. Any guy when, whenever he's in his prime, would you take? I mean, would you rather have you know which guy? Would you rather have center? Or, you know, be on your first line. The problem so. is I never really watched Gordie Howe play. I sure, me neither. Good he was. So that, that's that's <laughs> the tough part about these lists. But okay, uh, obviously we have a, a little bit different order there at the end, but uh, I don't think you can go wrong with either one, either one of those. I'll take one of them. No, I, you wouldn't even be able to go wrong if you stuck Lidstrom up there at number one. You could definitely make an you argument. You could put Terry Sachek up there at number one. Too. Absolutely. And honestly, I think out of all these guys, Lidstrom, best hockey IQ out of all these guys, in my opinion. So... I don't know. Howe was probably ahead of his time in terms of a power forward. Yeah. He was just a beast before guys were actually beasts. Very true. All right. Uh, There's the Detroit Red Wings. Hope you enjoyed that. If you disagree with us, add OT Hockey Talk on Twitter. And uh, you can can blast Justin for his pick. Go right ahead. Is Eiserman better than Howe? If you agree with that, (laughs) I'd love to know. uh, Argue that. Argue that. See, see where that. See there where that gets you. All right. Okay. Um, Nashville Predators. This is going to be a, a little bit more interesting. I think I was going to say this was a little harder for and me to decide. Yeah. So the order is hard. Yeah, because when you get guys that you know, you don't have a team that has a lot of prolific 
scorers, a, a lot of history behind it. It's it's harder to really nitpick the guys that you want to put on your list. So um, yeah, I'm not going to let you see this list. I'm pulling it up on my phone. Good. All right. <laughs> good. I like that. So why don't you tell me then first who hit your just missed? Well, I don't really have a just missed list. Okay. I, uh, Brian Johansson missed my list. Um, yeah, he's on mine is just missed. Uh, you know, other guys that maybe could have been on this list and weren't. Jeez, uh, I, I don't Let know. Let me just I, say I got Craig Smith and Dan Hamhuis on my just missed as well. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't even, like, I, I really, I wouldn't have even thought about putting them on a list. Okay. Uh, yeah. So everyone else is fair game. Um, I'll say one guy that I thought about putting on here was Mike Dunham. Really their first really good goaltender. And uh, he missed my list, though. All right. <laughs> only, only one goalie made this list. Only one. I got two goalies on this list. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thomas Vokun made your list, sorry. I guess Tom. Well, maybe he did. I, I kind of forgot about Thomas Vokun, but he wouldn't have made my list. Now, maybe it's Dan Ellis. I don't know. Dan Ellis. <laughs> or Chris Mason. Ryan Ellis. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. Uh, I'll give you my 10. Go ahead. My number 10 is Paul Correa. Wow. He played one season. He did play one season. For one season. So I guess technically yeah, that uh, does uh, count. And even though it wasn't his, definitely wasn't his best season, I, I will admit, uh, there's something about when Paul Correa came to the Nashville Predators, the team wasn't, you know, it was it was 2005. I actually played two seasons with the, with the Predators. Uh, the team wasn't really seen as a, you know, a destination spot. And I really think Paul Correa changed that. I think it's the reason why other players came there later. And he also, at the time, he had put up the best season ever in in Nashville Predators history. He had 85 points in 82 games, and he scored 31 goals. And the next year, 76 points in 82 games. So that was coming off of a really disappointing season where he went, remember he left Anaheim and went to Colorado with Team Uslani for that one year. Right. (laughs) And uh, he put up 36 points, 11 goals in 51 games. So he had this big bounce back year. Yeah, Colorado was starting to fade out of existence at that point. And yes, and I think the Predators made the playoffs for the first time with Paul Correa. They did, yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken. Now, did Forsberg come to Nashville before Korea? I can't remember exactly because I thought about putting Forsberg on the list just because of how good of a player he is. But then I remembered, oh wait, he only played one season, and it wasn't even one full season at that. So yeah, Forsberg uh, only played 17 games. Right for them, he scored two two big goals for the Preds. Yeah. Um, yeah, he came in 06, 07, and okay. it would have been the year that Paul Correa was there. Okay, so Korea was there so right They were there at himself. the same time. Yeah, and I do think having, when you see a guy like Peter Forsberg choosing to go to Nashville too after Korea, it's like, oh, we got superstars coming here now? Yeah. Cool, we can go there. Yep. So, yeah, I agree with you. That's that's a good pick then. Okay. Um, My number 10. Your number 10. Thomas Vokun. We okay. talked about him just briefly, but uh, yeah, this is a guy who basically, um, to me, was... I. Yeah, you you know, you can talk about um, you know, Dunham, but to me this was like the first legit goaltender that I watched in Nashville and was like, this guy's pretty dang good and he was there for quite a while. Uh number three all time on the the goals against, number three in terms of save percentage, and of course he's number two in wins for the franchise. Um, you know, again, before he we went to Florida, it was it was Nashville and he 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 set up that franchise for, you know, maybe some longer term success, but um yeah, I think they're they didn't really have you know much many star players at the time when they started out, and he was he was one of them. So number ten for me. All right, 
And uh, number nine. Let's go your number nine. My number nine is Martin Erat. Okay, Martin Erat didn't make my list, although he is yeah. second all time in scoring. He is, yeah, and that's that's partially why I think you know he was he was there in an era where. You know, they didn't have any star players. They didn't have a lot of guys producing points, but he was a consistent guy for the team. He, you know, third all-time in games played for the franchise. He was there for a while, and granted, the tail end of his career wasn't as hot, but... Honestly, though, if you think about this, I mean, he should be on my list now that I'm... Here's why. Martin Erat, he scores 481 points for the Nashville Predators, gets dealt for Philip Forsberg, right. who is fifth all-time, 305 points. So really, that player is responsible <laughs> for 786 points if you think of it that way sure yeah you could you could you could make that argument i, I mean i i will I, but you have <laughs> he is responsible for like i mean not directly but he put right. up the points and then he was dealt and replaced by a player who's even better than him and so now yeah you've got both those yeah. guys in the top five i mean that's that's a good pick um my number nine is Roman Yossi. Okay, he's a little higher on my list, but I like I like it. Yeah, Roman Yossi is uh, fourth all time in scoring, three hundred and forty eight points. Uh, Nashville probably one of the few teams with two defensemen in their top four of scoring. Uh, I I would venture to guess that there are no other teams in the league with uh, two players in their top four that are defensemen in scoring. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, yeah, just I mean he's he's unbelievable. Fantastic defenseman. I mean, the fact that Nashville has uh, has only been around for what twenty years, twenty yeah yeah twenty years not and not that have, long. They have pumped out some phenomenal defensemen. Yeah, all of which are on my list. Okay, <laughs> that's there, very this true. This list is just. I mean, we talked about hey, it's really hard to put defensemen on this list. Yeah, not the Predators. Yeah. That's very true, and you there, still there could be guys. more defensemen yeah. than forwards. At home, and they got more guys coming. I mean, yeah, they've got a boatload of defensemen. So, love it. Yeah, love I mean, it. you could make an argument. I, I Ryan Ellis missed my list, but you could make an argument that Ryan Ellis is, could be on the list. You very well could. Uh, and you said Dan Hamhuis could have been. I mean, yeah, if Hamhuis could have been, then Eckholm definitely could be too. Right. So, I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of guys that could just miss. Uh, okay, let's go. Your oh wait. Number eight. Yeah, you're, you're number eight. My number eight is Mike Fisher. Um, okay. yeah, maybe not in terms of production. He's one of the, the better predators of all time. But I think in terms of his two-way play, his leadership to me was phenomenal. Um, when this franchise finally started getting the wheels turning and started being a real Stanley Cup contender, he was right there at the center. There's a reason he wore the C. And yeah. to me, that just that he, speaks volumes. He missed my list. Uh, but it was just, you know, there's, there's some of those guys he's... They just have to miss, but sure. I suppose I could have, uh, you know, not had Paul Korea. And no, I just, I'm, I'm very happy with Paul Korea being on this list. I really think that he's like, at at that time in his career, like he truly was one of the most talented players that team's ever had. Uh, but yeah, Mike Fisher misses my list. I just think that there's better players. Yes, a great leader. Nashville's had a lot of blue collar leaders be their captain. Uh, their first captain actually just passed away. I think. Was it David Leguan or no, no? Oh, passed away. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, like he. Yeah, he oh, died. Craig Johnson. I think that Greg, like, Greg, Greg Johnson. Johnson? Yeah, 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 yeah. He played for Detroit too a little bit. Yeah. Um, boy. boy, I wish I could think off the top of my head who it was. It's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, I'm gonna find it here because now I 
Tom Fitzgerald. Oh, he was their God, first was, captain. I was not. Yeah, actually, they had Tom Fitzgerald and then Bill Holder and then Tom Fitzgerald for another three years. But yes, Greg Johnson was the captain. They they had one of those like a bunch of guys were the captains. Right. Yeah. A couple guys. They've had a lot of strange captains. Um, Jason Arnett at one point. Yeah. When Peter Forsberg and Demonen split captaincy, it's like they. They're oh, yeah. like in this Forsberg weird. Was the captain, for and he played seventeen games. 17 I mean, games. like they're just in this weird spot where like they can't decide what they, they want to do. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number eight is Cliff Ronning. Really? Yes. Okay. Did um, not make my list, but please explain. You know, when Cliff Ron Cliff Ronning was one of the the first guys taken by the Predators. Uh, Way, way back. He's he's 17th all-time, 226 points in 301 games. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you, when you consider... I mean, he's 7th all-time in points per game. And he was kind of there in the very beginning. I, I think he was there in the very beginning, in fact. And he was... I mean, if you think about where he was before that, he was playing in, I believe he was in, uh, he was in Arizona and Vancouver before that. Yeah. He, he came over. I mean, it was just a bad team. Like 98, 99, the predators were horrible. <laughs> and, and he, so he goes, he goes from the coyotes to the predators in a trade. And then, uh, and then you, he was there for a couple more years, put up some good seasons. Really? He was there. I think he was their leading scorer in those first few years. So, uh, since this is a team that's only been around for 20 years, I'm going to give the nod to their best player during their first few years. Okay. That's respectable. Respectable. Okay. Number my, seven. I'll give you my number seven. Please. Too. Yeah. Uh, Philip Forsberg is my number seven. Okay. Uh, Philip Forsberg. Obviously, I mean, he's the uh, the replacement for Martin Erat and what the replacement he was. Uh, he's fifth all-time in scoring right now. My guess is when all is said and done, he will be probably he'll he'll eclipse a few guys he might you know i don't know how long he'll be with the predators you just never know but i think he'll probably the next few years spend he'll, he'll eclipse everyone but the guy at the very top who we'll we'll get to i'm sure at some point but uh fifth all time he's just i think he's almost been he's almost under he's underrated but at the same time he leaves something to be desired i don't know if philip forsberg would make very many other teams top players you know, if, if he had the kind of career that he's had so far with Nashville, granted he's he's hasn't even played 400 games for them, uh, but I'd say in terms of talent, he's definitely right up there. Yeah, yeah, and that's why he's a little higher. On my Probably list. their best power forward to ever play. Forsberg, Philip Forsberg. Yeah. I don't know if you'd consider him a power forward. He's a little bigger of a guy. I mean, he is a little bigger, but yeah, okay. Uh, so number seven for me, uh, guy whose career I I wish had been a little bit longer. With Nashville, unfortunately, because it would have been fun to see him and Shea there. But uh, Ryan Suter, for me, is my number seven. Um, a guy whose tenure was, again, like I talked about, a little short. Um, but he was very, very effective while he was there. He actually he did still play ran. 542 games. So it wasn't right. But wasn't I mean, he still, short. I mean, he still split. You know, he left town when he was 20, yeah, 27, 28 seven, years old. Seven seasons. With so, the you know, when you come in at 21 and you leave when you're 28, I mean, yeah, you know, 
I, I would have liked to have seen more out of him. He was he was consistent though, which was which was great about him outside of his you know his first growing pain year. But um, you know he consistently would play 24, 25 minutes a, a night, much like he does now, where he's close to thirty all the time. But um, he's always put up consistent like solid numbers. Yeah, you know, he's never a guy who's he's never scored more than nine goals in a year, but. He he can always move the puck. He's yeah. he just he's responsible, which I loved. Very consistent. Um, and so you knew what you were getting when you threw him on the ice, and you know obviously it meant a lot for a team that was trying to find their identity late in the you know in the mid two thousands, trying to get going, and they got Shea Weber and Ryan Suter. Now you have the option to throw a couple different guys out there on defense, and you're not just you know again we talked about it. they were a defense factory. So let's also talk about how Ryan Suter. And now this is over the course of his career, but nonetheless an impressive stat. He has played in 96.3% of the games possible to play in. That's impressive. That's pretty dang impressive. <laughs> He's only missed about th- 3.5%. Yeah, for a guy who plays 25 minutes a night. That's impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Um, he appears a little bit later in my list. Uh, my number six, though, is also a defenseman. Okay. Uh, he is fifth all-time in National Predators scoring. Our sixth, sorry, Kimo Timonen. Ooh, yeah, he's a little higher on my list. Is he? Okay. Yeah, but he's on there. So. He was, uh, you know, I I remember somebody telling me a story about him and a couple other guys on that team, but just how I think it was Kimo. T- I'm pretty sure Kimo Timonen and like Andy Delmore. Do you remember Andy Delmore? I, I mean, do. I think he. I think Andy Delmore scored like. 18 goals one year and everybody thought that he was just going to be this unbelievable goal scoring defenseman uh how many goals did he have one year he had, yeah he had 18 he had 16 and then 18 and the and he got sent off to the buffalo sabers and he scored two goals in 37 games he never in the nhl he, he had those two years 16 and 18 then he played 37 games for the the bruin or the sabers then he played seven games for the Blue Jackets and completely vanished from the league. Wow. That's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, he was, uh, people thought, oh man, this guy's going to be a, a goal scoring defenseman. Then he just vanished. Goodbye. Uh, but Kimo Timonen was his defense partner, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, you might be. So, yeah, Kimo Timonen just. He was their best defenseman before Shea Weber, Ryan Suter. And he really was, he was, I think he was Shea Weber's defense pair at one point. I think he played with them. Maybe. So I could say that he helped him along. Hey, there you go. Actually, I'm certain that he did. So, yeah. I'm certain. Right. <laughs> uh, your number six. six. Yeah, my number six is another, def- we're going to have a run of defensemen here for me. Uh, Roman Yossi, current captain, current leader for the, the Preds. I love this guy. Um, rock solid. And I, one stat that stood out for me right now is um, if you go and look on Hockey Reference, I love when they, they they put these random stats, but like total goals on ice for, right? He's number three all-time for the Predators. So granted, while he might not have the sexiest point point totals, even though he is, I think, fourth all-time for the fourth team in points. Time, yeah. Um, yeah, being on the ice for that many goals pretty dang impressive when you consider a team that maybe, you know, historically isn't known for goal scoring, um, you know, and having a lot of point producers. So yeah. all well, yeah. Also remember this is like Barry Trotz days and these teams yeah. are just trying to grind teams out and, uh, and just protect the net. Yeah. And I mean, he is, I mean, 
he is a phenomenal defenseman right now, and I would honestly probably put him in my top ten in terms yep. of the NHL right now. Yes, and there's a reason for it. So, boom, can't go wrong with having him on your list. Uh, probably should be higher on mine, uh, but I have the top score of all time in National Predators history is my number five. Okay, that is David Legwand. He is number three on my list. Five hundred sixty-six points. In 956 games, was traded to the Detroit Red Wings at the end of his career, he was. actually. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, he had 210 goals in basically 1,000 games. So he's got a goal about one every five games. He had .22 goals per game. And, the, I mean, even Martin Erat scored more goals per game than that. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I, I think that he... Hey, David Legwan does lead the Predators in game-winning goals, though. All time, well, that's, that's pretty important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Game winning goals can be a little, a little weird and skewed. Sure. In a five one win, you score the second goal. It's a game winning goal, right? Not, yeah, I know. I think that they should make they should make a statistic, or you know, I'm sure we could find this, but goals that break a tie. Interesting, because those are the those are the goals that matter. Like, I mean, even if even if you you know, let's let's say you score uh, twenty five goals in a year where you broke a tie, that's bigger than scoring a goal when your team's up five one and you go to six one, sure. or when you score goal number three in a game. Let's say you go up three nothing. The other team scores a couple more, and you get the game winning goal because you were the three. No, I, the the best to me would be. How many goals have you scored that broke a tie? Huh. Okay, I'm gonna have to figure out how to how to get those because that's that would be a damn good. Statistic. I'm sure there probably is one out there. And and, and top, like go hey here's the top ten players in the league that break a tie. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're number five. My number five, another defenseman, Kimo Timonen. We talked about a little bit, a little bit but uh, yeah, probably in the early days he was like the guy. For the defense factory that was yep. Nashville. Yep, he, he was like that first, the first defenseman to come out of the factory. Uh, Finnish guy too. The only Finnish player on our list. Yeah, uh, between the between both teams that we've done. True. So, yeah. Um, my number four is Ryan Suter. Okay, so I have him much higher. Okay. He did play seven seasons with the team. No, I know that's that's quite a which bit. Which sure. does make up thirty percent of <laughs> the team's seasons. <laughs> so he's he's played more than enough. And uh, I, when he was a free agent, there was a like I, I think everyone knew that Nashville couldn't sign him; they just didn't have the money. They were a budget team, and they also knew yeah. that Shea Weber was coming up soon, and so they, rightfully so, decided we got to keep Shea instead of Ryan. And Ryan Suter, of course, he did his little blood pact with Zach Parise, and they <laughs> went off to Minnesota, where they've been toiling ever since. Ooh, uh, it's been going well for them. Yeah, real well. Uh, I just, I mean, I don't think they've ever had, and and I, I can't think of very many players in my lifetime that can play as often and as consistent as he can. It hasn't very really, re, like, hasn't resulted in much in terms of postseason success. But I don't think that that's really on him. So, no, 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 I don't, I don't think so at all. Okay. Good pick, good pick. You're number four. Number four, Philip Forsberg. A little lower on your list, but higher on mine, just because. I love this kid's abilities, um, his offensive ability. He is great on both ends of the ice in terms of puck play. Um, 
he he's one guy I watch and you know unfortunately the only knock on him I would I will say is he's a guy that I, I watch and I'm like I know he's got more in the tank I know he can do more yes and so I keep waiting for like that breakout season where he's gonna bust 85 90 points but I haven't seen it yet. And maybe that is because, you know, maybe he is a little bit more dependent on other guys around him like Ryan Yo- Johansson and, um, you know, whomever else he his he lines up with. But at the same time, I mean, you know, he, he's up there in terms of point totals uh, all time for the franchise. And um, I, I know that's going to continue for this talented forward. I think he's he's phenomenal player. And so for me right now, um, he's number four. Okay. Who's your number three? Number three, the all-time leader in points, David Leguan. Okay, you have him a and, lot higher than I do. So yeah. I don't think he was actually very good. I think well, he was maybe just not. given a lot of opportunity with the best players that they had because he was an okay two. He was a good two-way guy. He was. He absolutely was. And he would be He would be an ideal number two center for a lot of teams at the time. But again. First overall pick. Sure. Like, I mean, we're talking. that's the, the hard part about it is for a first overall pick, the expectations. And the expectations absolutely probably higher. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, granted, you know, Nashville wasn't very good when he was there. Um, they never. Oh, had I'm a, sorry. Second overall pick. Was I'm he? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not a ton of success, but you know, Vincent Lecavalier went ahead. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Old Vinny that got bought out, and you know, Tampa Bay still paying him. Anyways, which in fairness, the guys that went after David Leguan. Brad Stewart, Brian Allen, Vitaly Vishnevsky, Rico Fata, Manny Maholtra, Mark Bell, Michael Rupp, Nick Antropov, Jeff Harima, Alex Tenge. It takes to get to 12 to find a player who is, uh, who is probably a little better. better. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, but for Legwan, I think in, a, in an era where... There was he, no one in that draft. No, not really. Simone Gagne, or, uh, Scott Gomez went at, went at 27. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, Simone Gagne went at 22. Uh, uh, Robin Regeer is pretty good. Okay, we'll, we'll go back. We'll we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, I think for, for a guy that meant this guy, what he meant to this franchise and his leadership and everything, kind of like Mike Fisher to me, he was just one of those guys that was heart and soul to this team. And I think he meant a lot to the franchise. And so for me, he's, he's up there at number three because of that. Okay. Uh, my number three is I, I really – it's funny – that I battled between these two players. Is it? Because one of them missed the list completely, and the other one makes the list. But this was a battle at number three. Lay it on me. I really, I, I thought for sure P.K. Subban was going to be on my list. I thought for sure. I mean, they made he the didn't play that many. I mean, played over 200 games with them. Sure, yeah. Which, I mean, over two, I mean. Three seasons. Three, three full seasons. Yeah. That's, that's within the within the reason. Uh, I really I thought about putting him on there. He just had he had such a personality impact on this team. But I think when all is said and done, I think that it'll just be relatively forgotten about. Almost like Paul Korea, like a lot of people forget about it. But I put Paul Korea on that list because at the time it was so impactful. Sure. To sign him, I know you're going to say Jordan turned, Tutu now. So and so I had to go with Jordan Tutu. <laughs> Um, so I went with Jason Arnett at number three. Okay. Captain of the team for three seasons. And uh, he also, in terms of points per game, the second most, second highest points per game as a predator, second only to Paul Correa. Uh, he had 229 points in 275 games. And uh, when he came on board, 
it was it was something it was something a little different i think that it was like all right paul Correa was here and and uh, peter forsberg was here and jason arnett had just won stanley cups with new jersey devils right and he was the hot commodity and he decided to go to nashville so i i think that again just yet another another inching forward for a franchise that out of out of all those teams that came in like minnesota columbus nashville was there one more team that came in at the same time well atlanta it's now winnipeg <laughs> yeah. but we'll just take the whole length of of winnipeg and, and atlanta together yeah yeah that obviously the predators are the most successful out of the four uh, winnipeg gets a little more play now because they're in canada but I mean, in terms of success, Nashville's pumped out some great players over the years. Uh, they've been to the Stanley Cup Finals, which is more than any of those other teams can say. Very Minnesota's true. been to the conference finals once, but it was it was that in, was a fluke. It was in two thousand three, and it was. I mean, they got absolutely destroyed in the conference finals. I think got swept. Or, yeah, or they got five, swept. Yeah, I think by the Anaheim Ducks. So, anyways, Jason Arnett uh, on my on my list. Okay, Very now tight. two and one. I'm sure we both had. The same guys there again, just like Detroit. Yeah. But the order. The order. I think your order is okay. Go okay. ahead. Number two for me is Shea Weber. And Pecker and A at number one. I have flipped. What you do you know? Flipped. All right. What do you know? Um uh, Yeah, talk to it. Yeah. Yeah. I love Shea Weber. Uh probably during his his reign in Nashville, obviously one of the best defensemen, if not the best defenseman in the league at the time. I believe he won uh, at Norris once. Did yeah. He win at Norris? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he won a Norris. Um, I'm gonna pull that up right now, actually, because that's that'll. Yeah, he. Oh, he was. Uh, I don't know. Go ahead. No, no Norris Wow. No Norris. Okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he was he was up there, you know, during that era in his early 20s, uh, right with the Nick Lidstroms, you know, of the league in terms of like the elite defenseman, and I mean, his production spoke to it. This was a guy who came out, you know. After his first season, you know, he only played 28 games his first season, but 21 came out and played a full season, managed to put up 40 points. And he was playing 20 minutes a night. And then after a couple of seasons, that shot right up to 25 minutes a night, consistent uh, every night. And I mean, there's a reason guys feared him on the power play. He was just so dangerous uh, and was able to score a lot of goals, too, which a lot of defensemen can't say. I mean, this guy was putting up 23 goals, 16, 19. So he had a lot of. A lot of pucks end up in the back of the net where guys typically, you know, during that era were, were tipping pucks, getting, you know, a lot of rebounds and garbage tapping them in, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, to me, number two, just because, again, um, didn't really, I guess, um, you know, lead them to any great success in terms of, um, you know, deep runs in the playoffs and that sort of stuff, really. They just, they never got over that hump with him. And, and uh, that's the never, only knock I have. He just never really put up huge point totals. No. And every like whenever he was up for the nomination for the Norris, one time it was Chara and Lidstrom. Right. Another time it was Duncan. The time Duncan Keith had like seventy six points, it was Duncan Keith and, and Chara. Okay. Yeah. So I mean the the times where he was up for them, he had a good season. He just wasn't as flashy in terms of points. Like the years he was up for those, he had forty eight points, forty nine points. So it we not as flashy as the other guys. The Norris Trophy is just. The scoring. Well, of course, and that's maybe why so. you know Victor Hedman doesn't have you know a right. trophy. I mean, a trophy case full of more Norrises right. right now right. too. So, um, yeah, the reason I put Weber above Rene, 
I, I mean, in reality, could you just like you could easily flip them? You can make the argument for both. Uh, he's played 623 games for them and has just been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, 341 wins uh, is nothing to nothing to balk at at all for Pecorine. Uh, I just when I when I think of the Predators, I think of Shea Weber. And I think that's why he topped it. Okay. More of a, like, it is hard to put a goalie up at the top there because you wonder. Now, Pecorine, phenomenal goaltender. What could the Predators have done with a goalie who is, you know, just a little bit less than Rene? Probably still this, relatively the same. Whereas without Shea Weber at times, I mean, Shea Weber had a 23 goal season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't see defensemen score 20 goals and so i think ultimately shea weber he now i guess Rene has been the best goalie in the league at times he did win the vesna yeah uh that was a weird year for goaltenders and shea weber to me he has he has been the best defenseman in the league multiple years i don't know if Rene. i don't know if i would say that he was the best goalie in the nhl he had Vesna, a Vesna trophy winning season. I just think there's other goaltenders that I would have chosen over him at every point in the game. Whereas Shea Weber, there was a time where if you could take one defenseman, it'd be Shea Weber. Interesting. I, I mean, I could make that argument as well too for Renee. If you're like, I could take one goalie, like even maybe right. But he just fell apart in the playoffs so many times, and well, so that's that's where I I go. You know, he had one really good playoff, and they went to the Stanley. And actually, even in that year, he had a 9.30 save percentage that year. So yes, but he, he did carry some, the team he a had lot. Some games he did. He did have some games, but yeah, the the big knock on Renee is you know last he couple had seasons one good playoff. <laughs> well, eh, I'd say I'd say two, but anyways, yeah. The the the, the only knock on him is you know last two seasons 9.05, 9.04 save percentage. Uh, prior to that Stanley Cup run, it was 9.06, 9.09. So yes, he does have. You know, some seasons where come playoff time, he doesn't, you know, live up to the hype. Um, you know, so, yeah, you could make that knock on him for sure. I, I get that. But, again, on the flip side. But, but I mean, are we going to say Bobrovsky's not a really good goaltender? Right, exactly. He had some bad playoffs? No. Yeah, exactly. So, well, there's our list. Uh, let us know what you think. And, uh, you know, if you if you had Peter Forsberg on your list, I want to know how. <laughs> and I want to know why. Uh, maybe he scored the two biggest goals ever for the Predators. Who knows? Uh, and if there's anybody that we missed, if you were desperately hoping we'd have Craig Smith on the list, or, you know, uh, I guess technically Devin Dubnik did play two games for the Predators. <laughs> so, you know, maybe there's an argument. JP Dumont, Steve Sullivan, all there this, Scott go. Hartnell. Scott Hartnell is, I did think about Scott Hartnell. I did too, actually. I, I won't he, lie. like, Epitomize. He just was an awesome player, but he was like the PK Subban of his his James, time. James Neal. Oh boy! If James Neal had stayed there and had had a couple, I think more, he would have had more years, success. Think, but you know what? He might end up. He you could very well see him now if he plays well with Connor McDavid. If they slap him on that line, I mean, true. he could have. You know a lot who of I forgot about? I forgot about Alexander Radulov was there. Yeah, when he slept in and got yeah. booted off. Yeah. He he did I mean he scored hundred he had hundred and two points in hundred and fifty four games. Yeah, he was so, good. He was good. Uh imagine if they had him now. Boy. Yeah, yeah. when he got his act. He might together. actually be able to score. Whew. Yeah. 
Well, those are our lists. Hit us on at OT Hockey Talk. We will be back with two more teams. Let us know what, what team should we do next. Just tell us. We'll probably, you know, we'll take a vote, whatever we want to do. An old team and a new team. doesn't have to be original six, but, like, you know, maybe original 12. There you go. And uh, Don't you know, say the North Stars. If you say the North Stars, I swear to we, God. We could also do some, like, all-time California Golden Seals or, like, <laughs> all-time... Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, the defunct or, Winnipeg Jets yeah. or something, or the Detroit Falcons. Or Scouts, the Detroit I'm sorry, Cougars. did I say Chiefs? Brooklyn Americans. Maybe the Atlanta Flames. I don't even know. I don't even know who was on the Atlanta Flames. Nobody. Jim Craig from USA Hockey. That's it. Uh, Tom Lysiak. He had 431 points for them. Almost, a, almost a point per game. Uh, yeah, I truly don't know. A Pat, Pat Quinn. Quinn. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bill Clement. Perfect. Hey, all, right. all right. This is our time to say goodbye. We'll talk to you guys soon.